Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the P1 podcast with Matt and Tommy. We are back once again. It's still 2023. We're still waiting for Formula One, but we thought we'd do quite a sad, sad bit of content where we look back at the most heartbreaking moments from the Formula One season that we've just endured. Well, endured for me, Tommy. You've enjoyed it. In the, in the grand scheme of things, how did you even pick a moment for yourself that endures heartbreak? You had 19 wins this season. We're about to find out. But yeah, we did our, our best moments, of course. And now it's time for the painful ones because I thought we've just done our live shows and a lot of that was looking back at some of your Ferrari pain. So let's relive it all over again. Yay. Thank you, mate. <laughs> really appreciate it. Cheers. God, you really do like just opening up my heart and seeing what's in there, don't you? Love it. Um, now, before we dive into the podcast, we've got a wonderful five-star review from Dagon in Canada. If you want yours to be read out, please leave us a five-star review. Let us know why you love this podcast, and we may well read yours out next time. I love waffling and wheel. Two things in very high supply on P1. Simple, effective. I like it. He, they love wheel, which is amazing. We love wheel. We don't have much wheel, wheel knowledge, and but and we love waffling. Uh, so yeah, thank you so much for your uh, your five star review, Dagon. And let's now get into painful moments, beginning with mine. But I don't want to talk about it, Tommy, because as you said in the P one live shows that we've done, you've constantly battered me, and this was I actually said in the live show this was the worst moment of my life, and you're like, let's <laughs> let's explore it again. It's the Brazil formation lap. I'm, I'm, I, I will never, I will never recover uh, from from this one, um, purely because it it was a moment that caught me off guard. You know, when you when you go into a race, you, you you're like, oh, you know, is is my driver gonna get taken out? Is is he gonna have a you know some sort of issue with his car? Is his team going to not pit him from, you know, potentially hard tyres at the end of the race when a safety car gets thrown to you know, to win the race? Uh, no, no particular examples, obviously, there that I'm nudging towards. Um, but in the formation lap, you feel safe. You feel warm. You feel hopeful, optimistic. Even as a Ferrari fan, you're like, today is the day where Charles Leclerc actually wins a race. Uh, and then, of course, you know, even even he had fresh soft tyres as well. There were so many things to look forward to. Uh, and then it was like hard cut, Charles Leclerc in the wall. You then proceed to be like, oh, oh, I don't know what to say or whatever you said in your usual squealy self whenever something happens <laughs> when Charles Leclerc <laughs> ends up having something bad happen to him. And it was the definition of heartbreaking. Not because I thought Charles could win. I don't think he could. I think he would have led the race for maybe two laps 
and then the in- inevitable Max Verstappen comes through and wins the race. But it would have been nice to have a podium. It would have been nice for him to at least do one lap of the Brazilian Grand Prix. It's crazy that I've said this in the live shows as well that you know that could only happen to Charles Leclerc and Ferrari really, like the formation lap for goodness sake. They're not even going quick, and yet he's in the wall. Because my initial thought was like, oh no, Charles done something wrong here. Like this is going to be embarrassing. And then it, it, you found out that it was the car. And you should have, you should have had been. some sort of insight into my brain at that point, because I, as a Charles Leclerc stan, is thinking, how do I defend this one? If he's yeah. lost it into the wall, I'm in big trouble. Yeah, fair. It was, it was gutting because, like you say, our expectations were quite low uh, for battles for the for the win and things like that, but. To, to not even get to do the race uh, is gutting. Is it, mate? I don't feel the emotion. Yeah. I don't feel the emotion. I feel like you just were like, that's another social clip in the bank. Thank you so much, Charles. See you next year. Yeah, we'll find out if they can do worse next year. Nah, 2024 is our year. It is. I'm ready for it. What about your... I mean, let's, let's see what your most painful moment was because yeah. apparently there was one. There was one. Uh, it was it was actually really difficult to pick, and that's not me gloating. It's just oh, because my heart <laughs> for you, mate. Um, because I actually found it quite difficult. Because for me, there was there wasn't that standout moment where maybe like a midfielder was going to get a podium and then like broke down or something, and it was like, oh, that's so um, that's so painful. So the one that stands out for me is that Fernando Alonso didn't win a race. And I know oh, what you're all thinking. Oh, boo-hoo, Max won 19 races. Because uh, no one really won a race. But I think going into that first race when Fernando, we, we we thought, oh, my God, this Aston Martin's good. And then he was getting podiums. But when, when he got that podium in Qatar uh, for Alpine, it had been such a long time coming. You're waiting for him to be on the podium again. He was in a midfield car, so it's unexpected. But then when they were getting podiums, you're like, okay, let's let's get a win. Come on. Or a pole or anything. And there was a lot of hype. Of course, the whole like win 33 became such a meme at the start of the season. Um, it took off massively in Spain. Even like a Spanish tennis player was like 33 when or whatever that you wrote on the uh, on a camera or something in some tennis thing. And in some tennis in thing. In some tennis thing. You know <laughs> that I love tennis. Uh but yeah, um, Fernando not winning a race was was a bit disappointing uh, in in the end because it would have been so good to see him win after all that time, and I was so hyped for it. And I was like, it's gonna it's gonna happen. He's finishing second all the time, and I imagine that's what a lot of fans felt, Lando fans, Hamilton fans, whatever. Like because they were getting a bunch of second places, but one guy kept winning. He certainly did, uh, but I don't feel any kind of sympathy for you, Tommy. Uh, you know, <laughs> well, boo-hoo, as we say, you know, seventh in yeah. the Constructors in 2022, and your most painful moment was Fernando Alonso not winning a race in 2020. If you'd have said that at the start of the year, yeah. That's like, what? crazy. <laughs> right, moving on to some actual heartbreaking moments for fans that genuinely did struggle. Uh, first one comes in from Zoe Love Ricardo. I wonder what this is going to be. <laughs> When Daniel broke his hand, like we just got him back and then he's gone. 
Now, I would actually say this is a very close second for me in terms of um, emotions that I felt. Obviously, you know, I want Charles to do really well. And that was as I've experienced and told you, uh, it was a gut wrenching moment. But this was also a really quite upsetting moment to see Daniel Ricciardo in Zandvoort, you know, just getting back into Formula One, getting back into the swing of things. We're all absolutely buzzing for him to be back. And then he goes and breaks his hand or whatever it was exactly in his wrist. And it was it was really heartbreaking because you saw Danny Rick then in the, the paddock and even he you know tries to put a little smile on. But, you know, deep down that he's absolutely gutted. Uh, and I think most people were. We were all excited to see how well he could do, um, how quickly he could get back up and running. Um, and. Yeah, he had to go away for a few races, but that did in turn kind of open up a, a quite a, a, I guess, a wholesome storyline of Liam Lawson getting an opportunity and then him being able to uh, to perform the way he did. So I guess on the flip side of that, it allowed for another young driver to prosper for a few races and potentially has secured his F one future for the future. F one future for the future. Yeah, good one, Matt. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but no, it was very very sad. Yeah, it was the fact that, like you say. Uh, he just got back. We hadn't really seen what he could do yet because, of course, he got uh, caught up in Hungary as well in an incident that wasn't his fault. Then came through the field and it was like, oh, Daniel Ricciardo's quite quick. And, of course, at this point as well, Perez was really struggling, probably going through the worst part of his uh, season. And, you know, th there was all this talk of, oh, well, if Daniel comes in and starts really delivering this Alpha Tauri, this this could be make things very interesting in the driver market. And what happened instead was, yeah, didn't even get to see him and then came back, did a few races, but it meant his season was very stop-start. And it's still, I, I still don't feel like we've seen the, which is crazy to say because he got that amazing P4 in Mexico, but the, the best of Daniel Ricciardo and he's shown that he can deliver again. Uh, just looking forward to a full season next year where where he can show what he's got. Absolutely. We now go to the next heartbreaking moment, and this comes in from Juan Vieira. Hamilton DNF in Qatar and the disqualification in Austin. So not one, but two. I, I, I don't know how heartbreaking Hamilton being disqualified from second place in Austin is is really in the when grand scheme of Hamilton fans. Yeah. If he'd won the race, absolutely. Oh, uh, yeah. But the DNF in Qatar, I think that's definitely one way you go, ah, oh, what if? Because he had a great start. He's then you know, you're all three wide into turn one, then turns into his teammate and basically squanders not just a, a potential Hamilton win, maybe, but also George Russell was then put on the back foot as well. So it kind of ruined both Mercedes' chances of of maybe challenging Max at a track where, you know, it was incredibly intense for for the drivers, as we know, uh, and that was one where Max was reasonably vulnerable, uh, just purely because of the fact they had to stop and they couldn't. The rebel couldn't use the the, the kindness that, that that car is on the tires uh, to their advantage. Uh, but but yeah, I I can see that Hamilton fans are kind of just sat there going, really. We still haven't won since 2021 Saudi Arabia. And we now go yeah, to 2024. Mad. Yeah, they have to get a, a win next year. Qatar, uh, agree with you there, that I think that that's the one where it is a proper, like, what might have been. Uh, 
we mentioned McLaren a lot, of course, in that race of what if they'd qualified better for the main race and could they have fought Max? But Mercedes were were there and were obviously side by side going into that first turn. And Mercedes's downfall has always been that they qualify like fourth or fifth and then have great race pace. And Hamilton has shown it so many times this year where he's had great race pace and finished second, but he's qualified too too low down the field and not been able to do anything. And George Russell had actually a really good race despite the the damage at the start and dropping all the way back. And that did show that Mercedes did have some some good pace. So that is probably one of those that you look back on and go, oh, just maybe we could have had that uh, Hamilton-Verstappen battle that we all dream of. It's funny, isn't yeah. it? Because you think of this and you go, oh, if, if only they'd done this, if only they'd done that. And yet people are so quick to sort of shrug off Max and his perfection this year when other teams are making mistakes. They're, well, they're messing exactly. up in qualifying, yeah, they're messing up in the race, they're messing up in strategy. And yet Max delivered 19 times this year and people are like, well, that's the car. Um, I will I will back Max to the hilt with this one, that it was yeah. the, the most amazing season we've ever seen from a driver. Uh, okay, let's go to the next one, which is from Yank the Mike. Honestly, it was Charles' engine in Bahrain. It's so horrible to feel done in the first race of the season. So Yank the Mike is, in fact, my burner account, and uh, a lot of every Charles one is is to do with me. But um, yeah, it was it was one of those where you you cut you, you've just healed over the course of the twenty twenty two off season. After that season's finished, you go into twenty twenty three. You've predicted Charles Leclerc world champion. And a little P3, 15 points on the board. We can build from there. And then he pulls over to the side and stops. And you're like, 2024 is our year. It's. It, I agree with Mike. It was one of those where you went, oh, really? In the first race? Come on. Yeah. I think that was a moment where you even said like, oh, it's done. And then to make matters worse, in the second race of the season was where he had that, uh, where he'd already used some of his engine allocation or something and already yeah. had a penalty. And yeah, you'd kind of been like, well, there's no expectation like it's done already, which is uh, like this person said, like just absolutely heartbreaking. And yeah, it's it's gutting for Charles because it, it just, just does seem to just be like, why him again? Like, just ridiculous. Yep. Thanks for bringing that one in, mate. Really appreciate it. Okay. I'm sure it's the last we'll hear of Charles. <laughs> we now go to Kolki Doe, who comes in with, seeing Haas fall more and more after each race, especially towards the end of the season, the dread of knowing that they would fall to last. So Kolki is a, maybe a, a bit of a Haas fan. Uh, I do feel for you because... I think they're the only team that if you do support them, you have less hope than what Ferrari could potentially offer because they just had a car that was a Ferrari, but even worse, so that their performance was le was less, but they still had even more aggressive tyre wear than, than any other team on the uh, in the field. So I, I totally get it, Kolke. It, it's, to be honest, why would you even tune in? Yeah, as soon as you see, <laughs> oh, you're like, oh, oh, Hulkenberg's done an amazing Q3 appearance. I wouldn't watch Sunday. Just stop on Saturday, which is probably advice I'd say for Ferrari fans as well, because Charles Leclerc yeah. would have a lot more wins. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think Saturdays, 
is where we stop watching the Haas and Ferrari fans. This has just made me realise that my most heartbreaking moment probably should have been the Hulkenberg, uh, where it went to count back and he didn't get his podium. Um, <laughs> because, Hulkenberg's, Hulkenberg's fourth! Is what Tommy said, uh, if you haven't seen that clip, uh, during our Twitch watch-along. Um, yeah, you became the quite something. biggest Hulk. I saw fan. it, I thought it was going to happen. And I wanted that underdog story, which is why it was difficult to pick to pick one because, yeah, like Haas, I guess, yeah, if you're a hardcore Haas fan, it did get to the point where, uh, and even if you're not a hardcore Haas fan and, like, we were watching it going, oh, my God, Hulkenberg's put it, like, seventh on the grid. And and it, it literally got to the point where you got to the end of the season and it was kind of, you were like, well, doesn't matter. What's the point? He could literally get pole and you'd go... Yeah, and they wouldn't get points. a point. They wouldn't get a point. It's, it's, it's absolutely dreadful. <laughs> yeah, so it sucks. Haas were praying, I think, for 24 sprint weekends uh, next year just so that they had a race where they don't have as much tyre wear. Um, I can't believe they didn't even do anything in the race Qatar where everyone had to pit three times as well. Yeah. I was like, that's your chance that was surely do something. Yeah. Of course, they got got some points in the in the Austria sprint which was uh, his probably his most impressive performance Hulk uh, but that's because they they I think they were literally forced they to pitch tires. Uh, they, they were one of the ended first... up being the good strategy yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly uh hardcore Haas fans I really do feel for you One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. NM33 underscore SG8 comes in with... Monaco Grand Prix and that Fernando pit stop. Like, if he got inters, he would win. 33 was never that close. I'm surprised this wasn't your moment, but that's because you didn't believe at the time that him pitting would have actually won him the race. Whereas I categorically said from the get-go and still say right now that if he had, he would have won that race. And yes, that is heartbreaking because Fernando, if, if he gets into the lead at Monaco and Max Verstappen is behind him, Fernando is winning that race. Well, Fernando is either winning that race or both of them are in the wall. There is no way Max Verstappen wins that race. I'm sorry. Interesting. Yeah, I think I think another another thing to look back on this race is obviously in qualifying when Fernando is on provisional pole. And yeah, it was conflicting for me because obviously when Max did that pole lap, it was like, oh my God, he's pulled off one of the most sensational final sectors we've ever seen in Formula One. Uh, and I was obviously like, wow, that that was so impressive. But you look back on it now and go, that was probably like... Because if Fernando starts on pole, you think he's going to win that race because uh, it's just so hard to hard to pass. And at the time, it was kind of like, oh, well, you know, he can't win every race, so it doesn't matter. But then, of course, he 
almost did. He almost did. He really did. Um, but yes, uh, it, it, you know, poor you again, I'm going to say. Your two yeah. favourite drivers fighting for the win. Ah, oh, my, my, I really, you know, if you want to talk, Tommy, at any point, let <laughs> me know because you really must be suffering. Yeah. <laughs> Next one, Sarah Gelfie. Watching George go into the wall in Singapore. Not necessarily a George fan, but that was so hard to watch. Felt so bad for him. I love how Sarah felt the need to say that they're not really a George fan, and yet they did find it quite difficult to watch. Imagine, yeah, being a George fan and seeing that. Because for me, it was a bit of a missed opportunity. I thought George, especially when he got that run on Lando, was going through. And I am so surprised that he didn't manage to make that move. That it literally looked done. And I don't know if it was whether Lando braked really late and managed to, you know, just out outperform George in that particular braking zone, or if George was a little bit hesitant on that. But either or, had he got through there, he's getting past Carlos and he's winning the race. But instead, he hits the wall. Lando baited him into that. Absolutely. You know, clipping the wall <laughs> himself did Lando, and George was like, I'm going to take a slightly wider line than whatever Lando takes. Oh, God, that, that wider line is into the wall. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was very difficult to watch because George clearly was incredibly heartbroken uh, afterwards i think he was crying wasn't he in the in the post race interviews and but yeah it's, it it was one again that mercedes sort of let slip away yeah definitely this this was one where i do i do think george should have won the race he should have got past lando uh, with the fresher tires and i think it would have been obviously 10 times more heartbreaking if he'd have been leading the race cuz essentially even if he finishes that race third, I think he'd have been gutted. Not as much, of course, but like he'd still have been gutted because it would have been a case of like, oh, I could have won that definitely. Um, so it was just, so it was it was gutting for either way. But then, yeah, I think the the most heartbreaking thing, uh, and this is this is a trend for maybe a lot of the the newer drivers. They are so self-critical and harsh on them on themselves and i remember yeah george being like am i an effing rookie or something like this and he was really like beating himself up over it um so yeah it was a it was a tough tough watch certainly was uh, i purity underscore yt it was very painful to watch max verstappen not winning the grand prix of singapore 2023 but somehow i will find a way to cope with that sad face just so sad and then another sad face emoji I feel your purity. It's, it was tough. It was oh, a tough watch. Absolutely. Just <laughs> suck an egg, can't you really? Like that is just unbelievable. I don't The funniest thing is I couldn't tell if this was real or not. I couldn't yeah. tell if this was sarcasm or genuine. I, I feel like the sarcasm, two sad maybe. emojis and then just so sad. Um I don't Makes feel it. Like... I can't tell if it was even a Max mm-hmm. fan or, or not from no, the might profile. Be a troll that, it was funny. Yeah, but yeah. It wasn't funny, though, was it? Oh, you know, you missed out on how many wins in a row then? It would have been 18. It would have been 18 in a row. 18 in a row. Insane. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because now I look back, I do actually, there is part of me that's like, oh, that would have been insane, wouldn't it? No, Tommy, um, because then you think, how the hell are we going to hype up 2024 if Max is on an 18 win streak going into next season? True, but there is is part of me that because the, the season was so not great, that you might as well have just let Max have them all and it would have been insane to watch. And then Formula One announces in 2024 that they have <laughs> received a minus 86% drop in viewership <laughs> for the next season. 
but yes, yeah. okay. Well, purity. I don't feel at all sad for you. Um, and in fact, you know what? I, I just that statement is. It's crazy to think though. If Max wins the first four races of next year, he breaks the win streak. Uh, he breaks his own win streak, which is yeah. just bonkers. And that doesn't seem like like the most outrageous thing, does it? So we'll see. But it will be outrageous. Yeah, Perez will be, Perez will be the go. Be. Perez? Yeah, yeah. He'll start the season again and win the first six. And we'll be like, oh, he's going to do Rosberg. And then he'll be 18 wow. every race. If Perez wins the first six, he'll have a longer win streak than Hamilton's ever had. That is wild. That is mad. Uh, next, quest- next question. Next comment. Pack of Jacks. The Thursday fiasco at the Las Vegas Grand Prix. First race in person, and my pessimism told me as soon as the drain incident occurred, it's all over, we'll not get more running. Stayed until they kicked us out anyway. That hurt for a lot of reasons. Then Ferrari had to eat it to boot. Nasty. Wait, do you mean eat the... Eat the I drain? don't know what phrase that is. Maybe... I guess, I guess Ferrari just had a bad race and got the pain. Yeah, Maybe. Either or. Uh, yes, yeah, that was... That was savage, um, and I'm sure a lot of people that were there on the Thursday would would submit that as their most heartbreaking moment, especially with the amount of money that they would have uh, put towards that that Grand Prix weekend. We were very vocal over that uh, over that Las Vegas um, race weekend, and we, we totally feel uh, the pain for those fans. Not just because the, there was no more running, but there was running, but they were kicked out, and so it's like literally the worst. I don't think there could be a worse scenario for not seeing running than there actually being it, but being kicked out. And you're being not told to be there, yeah. You're not getting a refund because you just saw eight minutes of free practice one, but here's a voucher for a store that will get you a hat. Yeah, uh, it sucked big time. Felt so sorry for, for people. We had fan questions during our, our review saying, you know, they've driven 10 hours to get to the race and seen nine minutes of running. Uh, appalling, so... Um, yeah, that must have really hurt for the fans. It's always, you know, we've gone through a lot of heartbreaking moments for for drivers, but when the the fans get screwed over, that that is just the worst because we wouldn't have our fun without fans. So, no, we We're would not. People. Next up, live grr. As a Mexican fan, almost the whole season, the pinnacle was Mexico GP Turn One. So that is a Checo fan that we've got coming coming in there, and look, Checo still got his seat, so that's promising. Uh, for 2024, I don't think he can have a worse season uh, as a Red Bull driver. And you know, he's saying he wants to go one better next season. Which, I mean, to be fair, that's if he's asked it. Of course, he's going to say that. He's not going to go. I'm going to turn up and finish second. Thank you. So yeah, yeah, it's so, yeah. like Bottas, right? They're always going to say it. Yeah, of course, Bottas every year. I'm going to win the championship next year. All right, sweet mate. See you there. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it was difficult yeah. uh, for Checo, but um, hopefully he's learned his lesson for whatever reason he was off the pace for so long uh, this season and uh, can give us some kind of fight next year. Yeah, th- this one must have been gutting for you know the Mexican fans that had turned up to see Checo win, and unfortunately the he should he should have not done this. Um, but the pressure of the and the expectation of Perez being like such a superstar in Mexico, having obviously a great car, and he, we said this during the the race podcast, he saw his name in lights, and he even said it himself. You know, ah, oh, I had to go for it, but it's like you've not been on the podium for ages. Just 
bag a podium and you get that amazing celebration yeah. in. But he he saw his chance to to take Max Verstappen at turn one, and it just went so. He saw his chance wrong. to take Max Verstappen, but he hadn't even taken Charles Leclerc at that point. Like Jesus, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, it, was... it was it was bad, and the fact that all those all those fans had you know paid their money to to probably you know be there to watch Checo and see what he could do, and it's all over at turn one. Like it doesn't get much worse than that for a for a home star. No, and I'm sure Sergio Perez regrets, maybe in hindsight, doing that. Um, but yes, yeah. he'll have another go next year. Jatriki comes in with the entire Carlos Sainz Abu Dhabi weekend and the last lap penalty in Melbourne. I mean, the Abu Dhabi weekend, I don't know. I guess he no. had that crash in free practice and then the whole weekend was pretty dire. And I guess I in, think Melbourne in is turn the cost Ferrari second in the Constructors' Championship. So... I can understand maybe the the weight that Carlos Sainz fans would have felt because I guess in some ways him having a poor weekend was slightly responsible for then Ferrari not getting second in the championship. Uh, but the last lap penalty in Melbourne definitely for me would be more heartbreaking as an isolated incident just purely because of how upset he was uh, on that team radio and felt like it was one of the most unfair penalties ever until he got another really unfair penalty in, in Las Vegas, and then that was the most unfair penalty ever. It, feel, it feels like Sainz couldn't really catch a break uh, this season in, in particular moments. Yeah, the uh, yeah, I'm not... Abu Dhabi is kind of like, oh, oh well. Uh, we, said, we said it before as well that Sainz is absolutely taking finishing seventh in, in that four-car battle, but being the, the one that actually got the win this year. Um but the the one in Melbourne was tough because that that radio and hearing him almost in tears, well, it felt like he was in tears, um, was was tough, tough to listen to, and he just basically saw from such a small mistake, and loads of people went off, and and there was kind of chaos everywhere. You know, Logan Sargent yeeted someone at that turn, and they didn't do anything. Um, but uh, the fact that yeah, he essentially was on for a podium, and then and it was all taken away from him. It was uh, it was tough. For all Australian listeners, I'd like to se- severely apologise for Tommy's pronunciation of Melbourne. Uh, I've been roasted for many years. I've been roasted for many years for calling it Melbourne, uh, and I've managed to <laughs> in my head. I'm like Melbourne, Melbourne, Melbourne. So uh, I just want to apologise because I know there will be messages. I might start writing Melbourne. Melbourne, yeah. If you just do Melbourne, that's literally how I try and see it. So yeah. Okay. There you go. Right, next one, Drew Mackey. Lance Stroll continuing to stink. Canadian F1 fans have had a hard time rooting for a homegrown hero for some time now. Yeah, and I think the the kind of, it's not just the the poor performances, but it's kind of the attitude that goes with it as well. I, I, I feel for Canadian F1 fans that genuinely are trying to support Lance Stroll and you're like, well, how? How do I, what, what's actually going to happen here? But I mean, Lance had a good sort of end to the season and a little bit more um, like his, I was going to say old self, but his old self would actually perform occasionally and get some pretty decent podiums in crazy races. So he's, he'll be back next year. And the year after, and until he literally fancies retiring in 2057. Um, so, yeah, it, it may be maybe next year, but I think similar to Sergio Perez, it's a <laughs> next very year is my year. Yeah, it's a very difficult task to outperform your teammate when you have Max Verstappen and Fernando Alonso next to you. Yeah, 
Um, yeah, Lance did all right against uh, and Vettel and had those those moments, but yeah, he got absolutely owned by Fernando this year, and he came back towards the end and put in some decent performances to kind of very similar to Perez, really, in the fact that he kind of started off the season not doing too bad, then it all went downhill in Monaco, then just continued to be rubbish for, for ages, and then at the end of the season, he kind of put in some performances where it just kind of quieted the narrative of him being a bit um, bit rubbish. So, yeah, it's uh, it's tough for Canadian fans. I don't know how the country that gave us Gilles Villeneuve has produced Nicholas Latifi and Lance Stroll. Um, but, yeah, tough times. You just have to embrace just being uh, meme drivers instead. Fully savage from Tom Bellingham there. Love that. And finally, R2F1, the TV direction. <laughs> just that's it. That's all they said. Um, yes, it, we we had some very questionable moments, didn't we, over the course of, of the season? Um, one of our big takeaways from a boring season where we know Max Verstappen is going to drive away as the tyres start to, to go off is stop showing replays at the start of the race. Please, if there's anyone out there listening that has any influence, stop showing replays on lap three. That is when DRS is enabled. That's literally when it's That enabled. is when there is action. That is when there is tension. We can look at lap one replays on lap six or seven when things have calmed down. Please and thank you. Yeah, 100%. Um, this... It's probably not heartbreaking. It's just infuriating. Uh, and yeah, particularly that last race where we didn't complain too much in a while about TV direction. There were still the odd moments where we complain and then just the lap three replays is is such an easy fix. The other stuff, you know, it, it can't be an easy job when, you know, when you're following other sports, you've got a ball and you can just follow and that's where the action is. But in Formula One, there's things happening all the time. So you can understand that they're not going to catch every single moment. And they do a pretty good job of getting replays and things like that. Because if you watch Formula One back in the 80s and 90s, it's just like, this guy retired. We've not seen him come into the pits or his car on fire or anything, but he's just out of the race. Um, So they do a better job there, but they just have this very dated uh, idea um, of showing constant start replays and it makes absolutely no sense because that's when all the action is because DRS is enabled and the cars will be literally the closest they will ever be for the whole race and have the overtaking aid in fact if you if you picked the worst possible time to show a replay it would be that lap and yet they continue to do it every year the only other worst time would be halfway through lap one <laughs> it's lights out and away we go let's see that here's again. a replay again yeah <laughs> You do, you do wonder, don't you? Um, and, and I think as well with that, you, know, you, no speak about, you speak about dated sort of, I guess, um, mechanisms within what they do and, and whatnot. Stuck in I, I feel like, you know, and you make a good point, Formula One, there's action going on all the time. So why do we stick mainly with one camera? Why is it always there's action there, we're going to focus on that? 
Now we have had two boxes before and I know that there is the F1 TV package that they love to kind of push and be like, well, if you want to see more onboards, like Sky, I feel like has only just been able to have onboards again because I feel like we've had onboards for about 10 years and then last year they were like, so if you'd like to have all 20 onboards, you can press the red button. It's like, what do you mean? That's not, that's not groundbreaking. Like I feel as though we are mm. behind where other sports are in terms of being Even able the to provide bloody more marathon. They can show two side by side things of stuff happening in yeah. a race, or the Olympic Games where they're doing a running race, and you can watch the person that's going to get the gold medal while also, you know, whoever the home hero is or whatever at the same time. Like other sports do it, but they're just like, nope, one camera. Yeah, and and I feel as though it's. There's, there's clearly a cork in the bottle somewhere, whether it's F1 being like, no, Sky, you can only do this amount or, you know, obviously just general broadcasters and then on F1 TV they do more. But obviously in the UK we can't access F1 TV, so that's null and void. We have to deal with what we get given on Sky. But there's so much more information out there that could be fed to us, especially as hardcores, that that we love. The telemetry, the the laps, the the mini sectors, whatever that you might want to have as your... Your, your sort of viewing, for your viewing pleasure, and for the amount of money you spend to watch Formula One as well with the Sky packages or whatever you might pay for, why do we get such limited data for such a difficult sport to comprehend and understand? It, it, it just yeah. doesn't make sense to me. And I would like to see it improve more and be given more stuff. Like even, for example, whether a car, a driver is on new tires or used slash scrub tires in qualifying. Why can't we be told this stuff just with a small graphic and things? I don't get it. The technology is there. It's a sport that's more than ever is bringing so many new people in. And if they're watching it and don't understand what on earth's going on and missing all the action, then they're not going to keep watching, are they? So. And, and there might be an argument, oh, we don't want to overload them with information. But then when the commentator says that, or doesn't say anything, and then you see Max Verstappen go fastest by seven tenths because he's saved a set of new soft tyres and everyone else is on used tyres, and then you go, well, Max is going to get pole then. I don't understand. Why is he so far ahead? He wasn't that far ahead before. And these are all new fans that they might hear the commentator say it, and you're like, but what does that mean? Like you, you, you yeah, don't, exactly. you don't get fed that bit of it, uh, of, of information. But look, I've, I've started popping off there. Apologies. As soon as you said F1 TV or the TV direction, um, I had to weigh in slightly. Yeah, uh, it it is a problem, and hopefully, hopefully next year they sort it. Next, just like Ferrari, next year will be our year. <laughs> we will we will incorporate a mini box, not just to show Lance Stroll pitting. Fingers crossed. Um, Fingers crossed. We'd love to. Um, so, yeah, that is it. Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening to this heartbreaking reflection on the 2023 F1 season. Tommy, what are your final thoughts? You probably don't have any because you weren't heartbroken at any point. Uh, my final thoughts are, I know you feel sorry for me and... But don't worry, I'm going to go cry it out that Max didn't get those 18 wins in a row. And I'm going to go lie down, have a little little cry afterwards. So I should be better for the next podcast. I honestly pray for your downfall. I really do. Uh, I hope 2024 <laughs> is horrendous viewing for you. Um, so, yeah, I am praying for that more than I am a Charlotte Club World Championship. So let's see how that goes. Uh, thank you, everybody. We'll see you very soon for another video slash podcast slash whatever. And, yeah, nearly Christmas as well.
And the P1 live shows were fun. Thank you if you came along to either London, yes. uh, Glasgow or Manchester. It was amazing. And we've got new dates being announced probably at the end of January. So, so bye. bye. P1 is a Stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.